Well, good morning once again, Active Church. It's so good to be with you today. I want to take a moment and acknowledge those that have served in any branch of the military before we dive in today. I know that we just celebrated Veterans Day, and we want to acknowledge you and say thank you to you. So if you're able, would you stand to your feet so that we could see you, acknowledge you, celebrate you? Awesome. pray some words over them, and then we'll dive into the story of God together. Heavenly Father, thank you for those that stood in this place. Thank you for those that we're connected with that may not have been able to be here this morning. God, thank you for those that said yes to serving in a really brave and courageous way. God, would you do a great work in their hearts? Would you do a great work in their minds? Would, would they feel our gratitude today? God, I thank you that you've brought us to this place. And I thank you for what you're about to do in all of us. And I pray that you would prepare us for the better story that you have for us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray these things. And together we say amen and amen and amen. At my house, uh, ESPN plays on the TV regularly, and it's, it's, it's typically just in the background, right? And then every once in a while, you'll look up and watch the highlights. My wife has said to me multiple times, like, didn't you already see that fumble at the one-yard line like 14 times before this? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, why is it still on? And I said, because I want to see it again, right? Like, I want to I watch it again. And, and typically, we'll have it on because it'll just be kind of background noise, in the room. So about two or three months ago, I was hanging with family, working on some things, and ESPN Sports Center went live to the end of a UFC fight. And they were interviewing the winner of that fight. And so I was kind of like watching it with one eye and, and paying attention over here and listening with one ear and paying attention over here. But there was something that this winner of this fight said, three things that they said that caught my attention. As they were being asked questions, in between their answers, they said some really interesting things. The first thing that this fighter said is, may I, at least at first before I answer that question, may I say out loud that I want to thank my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ, for giving me the strength to make it to today and the courage to fight in this fight, and I hope that I honored him all the way through this process. And that, and that caught my attention. I, I, I did that. I, I was like, oh, wow, okay, that's pretty good, right? Then they asked him a few more questions, and then he said the second thing that caught my attention. He said, I'm going to donate a portion of my winnings to the fire victims in Hawaii. And then I thought, man, this guy's winning. This is good, right? Like, the first thing was good. This is even better. Like, man, talk about drawing attention to something that's good and something that's a better story. I, I love who this guy is. So I started to do a Google, Google search to figure out who he was. And then I stopped my Google search because the third thing that he said really caught my attention. Because they asked him a third question, he answered it, and then he goes, could I go back to the fires for a moment? And the interviewer said, Sure. And he said these words, I believe that the fires were started by the devil himself 
and that any fires that have been started on planet earth have been started by the devil and the demons who come from hell because hell is filled with fire and they bring that fire to the planet earth and set things on fire. I believe it was the devil and the demons that started that fire. And I went, oh, (laughs) you were doing so well. And I don't know where you land on all of that stuff, but can I just tell you that I didn't land on any of that? I was like, bro, first two answers, you're a winner. Last answer, let the other guy win because that was terrible, right? And isn't it true that sometimes when we share our hope, things can go in that direction? Like like sometimes when we share our hope, it can be like an invitation Because of the way that you live, because of who you are, it's inspiring, it's intriguing, people are interested in the Jesus that you're following, and when you share your hope, it's an invitation to come and see, because it's beautiful. But isn't it also true that sometimes sharing our hope, sharing your hope, sharing my hope, can feel like an invitation, where we hear somebody say something and we immediately roll our eyes, or we immediately cringe. Or maybe for some of you, you hear what they said and then you think this in your heart or in your mind, or maybe you even say it out loud if you're brave enough. You say, see, that's why I'm not a part of this. That's why I don't follow Jesus. That's why I don't go to church. Because that, that's a bit out there. That's a bit nutsy cuckoo. That's a bit, right? Like that's crazy. And I, I think we got to get this right. When you share your hope and when I share my hope, I think we have to do this well. Because as we've learned over the last few weeks, hope is on the line. And so today I want to talk about how we can move from an invitation to an invitation when we share our hope. If you haven't been with us the last few weeks, we've been in a series called Hope is a Superpower. And we've been talking about hope and how the hope of the world can be the hope in your world. And we've discovered that hope is placing your confidence in God. We've discovered that hope brings certainty when there is uncertainty. We discovered that you get to choose hope. It's not forced upon you. And then we learned last week that hope is found in the waiting, that we are confident and we are certain while we're waiting on God to do what only God can do. And today we're going to wrestle with this particular question. How do you share about the hope that you have. And we're going to look at the words that Peter, who spent three years with Jesus, we're going to look at the words that he wrote in one of his first letters in the scriptures, because I believe that what he shared with us is the best way to share our hope. It's the best way to tell better stories. I believe that what he talks about is invitational and not uninvitational. And so I want to show you what he said We're going to make it really personal for us today, and then we're going to try it together, and then we're going to finish with what I think is a really great example of what Peter talks about in his letter of 1 Peter. So if you have a Bible with you, or if you have the Bible app on your phone, would you open that up to 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3? And if you don't have those things, it's okay. We'll have the verses on the screen for you, and if you're watching online, the verses will be on the screen for you as well. I want to start with what Peter shares about the hope that he has. He says this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter shares about his relationship with Almighty God through the person and work of Jesus, and he shares that he's experienced the mercy of God. It's why he places his hope in Jesus. He's experienced the forgiveness of God. It's why he places his hope in Jesus. And he's experienced the freedom that God brings him and brings you and brings all of us. It's why he places his hope in Jesus. He says, friends, there's nothing like this and there is no one like our God. And his conviction, the conviction that I hold, the conviction that the writers of the scriptures hold is that when we follow Jesus, we get everything that we need. We get everything that we need And it's beyond the material things. It's soul-satisfying things. Those those needs in our heart and and needs in our souls that, that we need quenched, that we need satisfied. Like when you follow Jesus, you never have to wonder where you stand with God. Often we'll wonder where we stand with each other, those that we're in relationship with, those that we have friendships with. Like, where are we at? We have to have a DTR, like determine the relationship. Are we good? Are things good? But with God, you never have to have one of those conversations because you are loved and you are okay and you don't have to hide and there is no shame and you don't need to be afraid when you follow Jesus. And Peter knows this because he experienced this. He knows this because he lived this. He knows what it feels like because he's as human as you are and he's as human as I am. And Jesus redeemed all of him. Even after a moment where he turned his back and denied Jesus three times, after Jesus told him he would deny him, Peter followed and then he unfollowed and then he followed again because God is so good to him. And he knew that because of Jesus. And this is why he writes in verse 13, in light of all of that, therefore with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Peter says, my hope isn't, man, I hope this works out. My hope isn't, man, I'm I'm wishing for this and I'm, I'm longing for this. I'm wanting this to work. He says, my hope It's in a person. It's in a real person who really lived and really died and his tomb is really empty and his name is Jesus and he's given everything that I need for this life to be godly, to be good. He's met every one of my needs to allow me to live and allow me to live for him. It's why he writes later on in chapter three of Peter's letter. In verse 15, he says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Revere. Set him first. Make him priority number one in your life. Even if it's hard. Even if you don't really want to. Peter's conviction is our conviction at Active Church. The reason why you say yes and place Jesus first in your life is because Jesus makes you better at life and he will make you better in this life. Jesus makes your life better and Jesus makes you better at life. Why? Because you're forgiven. Why? Because you're set free. Why? Because of his grace and his mercy and his love. And so so how, do you, how do you put him first? 
Well, Jesus said that you are to love the Lord your God with your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. So in a very practical way, here's how we revere Christ and put him first in our hearts. If we're going to love him with all of our mind, we're going to be curious. We're going to ask questions and we're not going to allow our doubts to keep us from God. We've talked about this at Active before, but may I remind you that often when we have doubts, you know what we do? We stay away from places like this and we move ourselves away from God. But if we have questions about God, why wouldn't we ask God and why wouldn't we ask the people of God? Maybe we're afraid of how they're going to respond to us. I get that. But Peter's invitation, the invitation of Jesus is that if we're going to love the Lord our God with all of our mind, that we're going to lean in and ask questions and be curious and not run away. We're going to run towards Almighty God. It's how we love him with our mind. If we want to love God with all of our strength, we're going to choose to give our life away. It's why we choose to serve at Active. It's why we choose to give generously and tithe at Active. Don't fool yourself into believing that you love God with all of your strength if you're unwilling to give of your life and give of your resources and give of your time. Because what Almighty God has invited you to do is to place Him first. And this is our response to that. If we're going to love God with all of our soul, we do that in our worship of God. And worshiping God isn't just about the songs that we sang or the things that we say or the scriptures that we read, all of that is incorporated. But each of those moments allow us to see God. Worship doesn't begin with singing. It begins with seeing God. Because when the scripture writers talk about your soul, they talk about the center of who you are and that God holds you together. And if we're gonna love the Lord our God with all of our heart, then we ask this really important question. What does love require of me? And I look at Jesus, you look at Jesus, we look at Jesus and see what he did. This is what Peter is inviting us into. It's why we place our hope in Jesus. And according to Peter, if we place our hope in Jesus, your life will give life when your hope is found in Jesus. Your life will be an invitation and not an invitation to the people around you. That's why Peter talks very clearly and very often about hope. It's not, again, crossing fingers or wanting things to be better. According to Peter, hope is personal. Remember, we talked about how trusting in God is trusting that what he said and what he did is true. But hope is trusting that what God said and what God did is true, and it's true for you. It's true for me. It's personal. Hope it's personal, and it shows up in the story you tell, in the story you tell with your life. But then Peter does something really interesting. He adds a layer to this conversation, and he addresses the words that we use. And he says, I want to invite you to explain the hope that you have with the words that you have inside of you. And the reason why you're doing this is because others need the Jesus that you're following, and others need the hope that you have. We see that. Everywhere we go, we see that in the life that we live. And so we find ourselves considering what it would look like to not just live this way, but to speak about this. Because hope, hope changes you and hope changes those around you. Now, before you go and share, before you go and speak, Peter says, can I, can I share with you some specific instruction? Because we don't want it to be an invitation. We want it to be an invitation. 
And so Peter says in chapter 3, verse 15, these words, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. Pretty specific, right? And I think he's specific because most of us, even in the time of Peter and this first audience that's reading this, most of us struggle with this. Most of us aren't sure how to do this. And Peter's not throwing out any sort of judgment. And I'm not throwing out any sort of judgment because I'm included in this. But I think often, sometimes the words that we use to talk about our faith, our hope in Jesus is very foreign to the people around us. Like we speak about God in ways that makes God look or makes God sound and feel like a mystery. One of the things that I was challenged with just as a young kid, being around really incredible pastors and really incredible leaders, was anytime they would talk about faith, I loved that they treated me with the respect that they would give to an adult. And, and, and then often when they would talk about faith, they would talk about it in a way that was accessible and it wasn't mystical. And I remember as an eight-year-old, nine-year-old kid going, if I ever became a pastor, it wasn't my plan, I was gonna be Ryan Seacrest, that was my plan. But, but, but God had a different plan. And, and I remember thinking to myself, if I ever had this opportunity, I would want to be somebody that just demystifies who God is. Because God isn't a mystery, friends. And here's how I know that, and here's how you can know that. Because of Jesus. Jesus came to communicate and demonstrate what God is like. And he didn't come to say, look, here's this mysterious being that maybe you can try to figure out. Jesus came and said, I'm him. Now we can figure it out together. And when you share your faith, you're doing the very same thing. This really didn't like click in my brain until about 15, 16 years ago. I was asked to teach at a local Christian school. I was asked to teach at the chapel. And it was the school that my, my daughter went to. And, and Abby at the time was f four or five. She was in kindergarten. And so the, the principal asked if I would come and share with the chapel. And it was like sixth grade down to kindergarten. And he said, could you come and share and like fire them up and rally the troops? And it'll be really awesome. And so I created what I want you to know I thought was one of the best messages I've ever created. I was ready to go. Like locked and loaded, ready to bring a whole lot of great fun and a whole lot of great truth. Had my iPad. At the time, it wasn't an iPad. It was just a pen and paper, and I, I, I set it down, and I was ready to, like, those, those kids, if they weren't Christians, they were going to be Christians after I was done with them. Like, I was ready to go. And as I watched the students walk in, I was ready. I was praying. I'm like, God, this is going to be so good. And then everything changed for me when I saw my five-year-old kindergarten daughter walk in. And the reason why everything changed is because when she walked in, I went, She's not going to understand anything that I'm about to share with these people. She's not going to get anything that I've prepared. And it was that moment that I realized, like, this isn't about what I've prepared. This isn't about what, what I can say. This is about them. This is about where they're at and their understanding and what they can grasp a hold of. This isn't even about me, huh? Interesting. Others first. That's the way of Jesus. And this moment changed me. 
And it convinced me that sharing your hope, it's about introducing others to God. And so anytime I open my mouth, I want to invite others to come and see who God is and what God is like. And we got to get this right. You got to get this right. I've got to get this right. And we got to do this well, because isn't it true that we know about too many stories where we don't do this well? Maybe you've been on the receiving end, and it's one of the reasons why you've stayed away from church for as long as you have, because there are those who don't do this well. And again, no judgment on them, but it, it was an invitation. It wasn't an invitation. We got to do this well. And so I, I just want to be clear. Again, no judgment on you or judgment on anyone that you know. But I, I just want to be very clear. Megaphones on the side of the road don't do this well. Signs, whether they're kind or not, on the side of the road don't do this well. I have never seen anybody driving or walking and hearing someone on a megaphone or seeing a sign and went, yep, that's the Jesus that I want to follow. I've never seen anybody bend the knee to Almighty God because of that. Now, you might have a story, and I would love to hear it, but at this point in my Christian career, I have not seen that be super successful. It doesn't do this well. Aggressive social media posts don't do this well. Especially when you tie in politics. You know what's happening? They're scrolling on by, they're unfollowing, they're blocking, or maybe you don't even know, but this is what's happening. They're rolling their eyes and other Christians are cringing. It doesn't do this well. Big words, big giant words that you know because you've been following Jesus for a really long time, that are appropriate words, they don't do this well. Lots of words, because you're just really excited and really passionate and you want everybody to know, they, they don't do this well. Recently, my, my, my daughter had some friends who are processing faith and they wanted to talk about what it is that we believe. And so m my family and I, there's five of us, we had a very clear conversation before these two friends of ours came over. And I said to them, we all don't need to talk at them all at the same time. In fact, we have a lot of really good things that we could say, but they don't need to hear all of the really good things that we could say. They need to hear what it is that they are asking about. And so let's, let's keep it simple. Let's keep it clear. Let's keep it accessible. Notice I didn't say, let's dumb it down, because that's not what you're doing. And often in the Christian world, Christians, can I just talk to you for a second? If you're not a Christian, you're new to this, you can laugh at us. Christians, we often, when we hear something that's clear, we hear something that's simple, we hear something that's accessible, we call that basic, we call that like, like small, we call that dumbing it down. You know what? That's the way of Jesus. Jesus was simple and Jesus was clear and Jesus was accessible. And you know who didn't understand Jesus? The religious people didn't understand Jesus. In fact, Jesus said to them, you search the scriptures looking for me and hi, I'm standing right in front of you. And that often happens when we share our hope. And it's not because we're, we're stupid. It's not because we're trying to 
manipulate. It just, sometimes we just don't do it well. And I want to do it well. And I want you to share about your hope and, and, and do it well. And, that, and that's why Peter gives us direction. Let me take you back to verse 15. He says this, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. So could we tease that out just so that we could see what Peter's inviting us into? And I want to take Peter serious because, you know, he spent three years with Jesus. Peter lost his life, gave of his life to follow Jesus. There's a big giant church called St. Peter of Basilica Church that's named after him. Guy's pretty cool. Like, I want to listen to what he has to say. Wrote two scriptures, two documents that are in the New Testament. I want to pay attention to what he has to say. And so the first thing that I want us to pay attention to is he says, be prepared to give a reason. So let me ask you just something to consider. What's your reason for the hope that you have? What's your reason for the hope that you have? Now, before, outside of Tony, before you answer out loud, <laughs> I want to be very clear about something. The answer that you give is not about you. The answer that you give, the hope that you have, is not in you. My friend Bob, he attended this church for years. He served in youth ministry with us, called him Biker Bob because he would show up on his motorcycle and he had tattoos all over him. He looked like a scary dude and yet was the softest, kindest follower of Jesus ever. And we saw so many students connect with him when he was serving with us. When Bob shares about his faith, he'll take about three minutes. And two minutes and 50 seconds of that three minutes is all about what Jesus has done for him. The last 10 seconds, he talks about what he did. And often what we'll do when we share about our hope and that our hope is placed in Jesus is we'll spend most of our time talking about how terrible we were and then we'll spend about 30 seconds talking about how Jesus saved us. When in reality, that's not hopeful at all. That's just a moment of, man, your life was really difficult and now, yay, Jesus saved you. But what Peter is inviting us into is to talk about the reason, talk about who the reason is. Bob adopted that, and I learned from him. Maybe a better question for us to ask, instead of what, what is it that you, you share about your hope, what's the reason? Maybe a better question is this. Why do you follow Jesus? And again, before you answer this question, I want you to consider some things. Consider maybe what Peter wrote, and, and I want to share with you again what he wrote to start this letter off. He said this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Peter answers all of the questions that he's asking us to answer. Peter, who is it that you have hope in? Jesus. Peter, why do you have hope in Jesus? Because he was dead on a Friday and he was alive on a Sunday. Peter... What about all the theology? And what about all the doctrine? I, I don't know what you're talking about. All I remember is that I lived with him for three years. I watched water turn into wine. I watched five loaves and two fish turn into feeding over 5,000 people. And then I saw him die on a cross. I denied that he was Lord, walked away. And then I was with the disciples on that Sunday. They said he resurrected. We didn't believe it. Then John and I ran. John will tell you that he ran faster than me, but I think I ran faster. And then we went to the tomb and I went into the tomb first and I saw that there was nobody there. Nobody was inside of this tomb. And then I realized that maybe something did happen. Maybe something took place. And we, we believed that it wasn't just somebody stealing 
sealing the body. And we were confirmed in that when we were in a room together praying and Jesus showed up. And then I was by the side of a, of a, of a lake and we were talking and Jesus reinstated me and allowed me to be a part of the story of God. He asked me if I loved him. And then if I did love him, I would love others. And he asked me three times. It's kind of annoying, but he asked me three times. And so I, I, don't know, I don't know about your doctrine and I don't know about your theology, but what I do know is he was dead on a Friday and he's alive on a Sunday and that's why I'm following him. And I don't, I, I don't want to dismiss, don't hear me dismiss doctrine and theology. It's really, really important, but that comes after. Like, for example, some of the, some of the questions that we have in the scriptures, some of the ambiguity that we have in the scriptures, like, when you read through the scriptures, you see that the writers and God himself talk about himself as the Father, as the Son, and as the Holy Spirit. And so what doctrine and theology does is it takes that concept and tries to work it out, figure it out. It's where this phrase called the Trinity comes from. That's not in the scriptures, by the way. That word is not in the scriptures. It was created by smart men and women, smarter than me, trying to figure out how to describe God as one God, but expresses himself in three different ways. This is a very simplistic way to talk about it, but it would be like talking about me as a husband, as a dad, and as a pastor. I am three different things, but only only one person. And so that's how they began to understand God. That's theology. That's doctrine. And that's not what Peter's talking about. Peter's talking about why he has hope. He was dead and now he's alive. And I saw it. And then I wrote about it so that you would know. So what about you? Something to consider. What? Why do you follow? Peter, Peter suggests, keep it simple, make it personal, and give a reason. If Peter was standing here, he would probably say to us, my hope is in a person named Jesus because he rose from the dead. And he doesn't end there. He addresses two specific things. First, he says, give an answer to everyone who's asking. So, so think about this. Why, why are they asking you? Maybe because your story is inspirational. Maybe because you have integrity. Maybe because you have great character. There's something hopeful about you. Asking implies relationship. Doesn't it? Asking implies relationship. They know you, you know them, you've seen them, heard from them, they've seen you, heard from you. Now, does this mean that you, you can't share with people who you don't know? No, I don't think that that's what this is saying at all. But I think the thing that we have to consider is this, that Peter was with Jesus and he learned from Jesus. And Jesus, when he had really important, powerful conversations, it wasn't just with random strangers. It was with people he was in relationship with, whether that relationship was healthy or not. And, and, and perhaps it's easier to talk to somebody you don't know about your faith than it is to talk to somebody that you do. You have people in your home, in your circle, that need the hope that you have. And they may not even know that you have hope. And often what it, it, it's easier, isn't it easier to like serve the person that we're probably never going to see again? And maybe that's what Peter is inviting us to consider. 
Second thing he's inviting us to consider is, is maybe a really important question that you need to ask you. Who's asking about the hope that you have? Now, that might cause some emotion. We'll address that in a minute. But if you're not sure if someone's asking you, let me, let me help you. Perhaps someone has asked you, hey, would you pray for this or for that or for them? Or maybe someone has asked you, would you help with this or with that or in my life or with their life? Hey, hey, what do you think about all that's going on? Hey, what do you think about as we're parenting, as we're married, as we're dating? Hey, what do you think about? Have you ever, all of those are invitations for you to share about the hope that you have? Because all of those are questions that are being asked of you because for one reason or another, there's something that you're doing that has captured the attention of those around you. Now here's, here's the tough thought, here's the emotion that we have to wrestle with. Are you being asked? And if you're not, hear me, that's a you problem, not a them problem. That's a you problem, not a them problem. Here's what I mean by that. Often what we'll do, Christians, I'm going to be with, with me for a moment. If you're not a Christian, you can laugh at us again. What we'll often do is, is we'll, we'll dismiss those that aren't asking or that aren't following. We'll say, well, they want to just surround themselves with what their itching ears are wanting to hear. That's everybody's favorite verse when we see somebody not following Jesus. In reality, maybe they don't like you and how you're living and the hope that you have. Maybe they don't feel love and grace and mercy from you. Maybe they look at the story of Jesus and then they look at your life and they go, that doesn't line up. Now I know that that's painful to hear, right? And I'm not just saying that, I'm listening to those words as well. If, if nobody's asking, then I have to reevaluate what I'm doing and how I'm living and how I'm following. And then Peter finishes with this. Do this with gentleness and respect. Because the way of Jesus is always gentle and respectful. Doesn't mean that you don't say the hard things. It means that you can say the hard things in a really hopeful way because you're in relationship with them. We, we are in trust with others through our gentleness and our respect. And part of our gentleness and respect is that we're gonna play the long game. We're not expecting them to get it immediately. We're trusting that God is doing something in them. Think, think about those of you that are parents, think about how you raise your kids. Like you want them to get things, but you also understand that they might be in a season where they might not be able to grasp that the way that you grasp it. It's not because they're stupid. It's just that they don't know or they need time to learn. They need time to grow just like you did. Just this week, as we were talking about this very idea, Jeremy had said in our, in our meeting for the weekend, he said, faith is, it can be like expressed in two ways. For some people, it's like a light switch. 
Have you ever seen somebody like fall in love with Jesus and everything in their life just completely changed immediately in that moment? Like the light came on and they are no longer what they are. And you're like, who is that person? Because they're not this person anymore. And you're like, it's only God that can do that. But I think for a lot of us, the faith that we have and the story that we're telling is like a dimmer switch, right? And the more that we turn it or the more that you bring it up, the brighter and brighter your life gets. But it takes time for that. And gentleness and being respectful is understanding that it takes time. And that's why last week was so important when we talked about hope. Hope is found in the waiting and we're patient in the waiting. So, according to Peter, how do you share your hope? Personally. With reason. By the way, if you were raised like I was raised, in a Christian home, saying that you follow Jesus because you were raised in a Christian home will not lead you in any way. You're just riding the coattails of an incredible mom and dad or guardians that taught you about Jesus, and God bless them that they taught you about Jesus, but you need to own and know your faith and know Jesus. It is not about riding the coattails of your Christian home. If you try to ride the coattails of your Christian home, this will be boring. If you try to ride the coattails of your Christian home, following Jesus will not be engaging or intriguing because you're not loving God. You're loving the God that your mom and dad or your guardians love. And that's why it's so important for us to make a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe for some of you, hear me, maybe for some of you, you need to go public with your faith and get baptized. It's no longer just about like you being a part of this family. It's about you saying, I want to help be someone that leads this family. But more importantly, I want to follow Jesus with all of my heart, all of my soul, and all of my strength. On December 3rd is our next baptism Sunday. Some of you, you've been waiting for the right moment to get baptized. Let me just give you the right moment. December 3rd, that Sunday is the day that you should get baptized. Because it's, it's, it's foolish to put it off. It's time for you to take that step and move in that direction. You can sign up today at Guest Central. They would love to get you all the details and then I'll text you this week and we'll set up a conversation, give you any answers, any questions that you might have and it'll be a beautiful day. It's time for you to get baptized. It's not about your perfection. It's about choosing a new direction. It's you going public with your faith. The water doesn't save you, Jesus does. You getting into the water is the announcement that Jesus is Lord of your life, not the Lord of your parents' life and the Lord of your guardian's life. He's the Lord of your life. So I wanna invite you to choose to sign up to get baptized today. And what a way to start off the Christmas season. This is the invitation that Peter gives us. He would say, if you're gonna share your hope, make it simple, give a reason, make it personal. And Peter would say, my hope is in a person named Jesus because he rose from the dead. My friend, uh, Natalie and Kyle Ravelli have been at Active Church now for a few years. And they have served in significant ways. They've loved in significant ways. Some of you know them really, really well. Natalie, a couple of weeks ago, posted on her social media the reason for the hope that she has. And it was beautiful. And with her permission, I wanna share that with you today. She said, the last eight weeks, Kyle and I have been leading a group at church. And this week, we've been reading about sharing our faith. Ugh. 
It makes me super uncomfy just thinking about it. I've always been super open with my faith, but I like to mostly share with others who feel and think the same way I do because that's safe. It's an unthreatening space, right? However, as a leader, I can't expect my group to be courageous if I won't put myself out there too. I'm taking the easy way out because riding is also where I'm comfortable, but baby steps, right? It's easy to believe in God when you've had the so-called perfect life. That's essentially what I had growing up until I was 25. It was then that we began facing one loss after another. In five years, we lost Carson, Josh, Kurt, and struggled with years of infertility and a devastating miscarriage. I kept thinking I needed to do more for God, to be better for God. It was in the midst of the heartbreaks that I went from believing in God to having a relationship with him. A relationship that I learned was not founded on my actions, but on his grace. When you come to realize that God's love is not dependent on what you do, your world gets flipped upside down in the best possible way. I read an article about why Christians are always inviting people to church. It's not because we think that you're bad and we're good. It's because we found such an amazing gift in our faith, our church, and our community, and we want to share that. When I find something awesome on Amazon, I send it to Wendy. When I read a good book, I send it to Lauren. And when I, feel, when I find a reel that makes me laugh until I cry, I send it to Katie and two other friends that she lists here that have really awesome Instagram names, Blue-Eyed Sparrow and Cam, Camboro. When you find something that can change your parenting, change your marriage, change your relationships for the better, how can you keep it to yourself? You shouldn't, and I shouldn't. So anyone and everyone, please come and sit with us in our church, in our home, wherever. We, we don't want to keep this gift to ourselves because it's meant for everyone. Beautiful, right? This is one of the reasons why we have what we call the Activate card. The Activate card is an opportunity for you to keep the, the names of those in your life that you're praying for, you're serving, that you're loving in front of your face so that you can be reminded that this hope that you have isn't just for you, but that this hope is for everyone around you. And so as you leave today, as you leave service today, our activators are gonna hand you an invite to Christmas Eve. And that invite isn't for you. You're invited, by the way, but the invite isn't for you. The invite is to give away to someone that you love, someone who needs hope, so that we can celebrate the birth of Jesus, the story of God coming to us, with those that we love and long to, to hope that they would have the hope that we have. Peter says, always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have when those around you ask you of why you have hope so that it can be an invitation and not an invitation. Friends, would you stand to your feet? And I wanna pray some words over you. Heavenly Father, as we consider 
the words that we would share about the reason why we have hope. May those words be personal. May those words be powerful. May those words be clear. May those words be accessible. May those words communicate and demonstrate what God is like. Because that's what Jesus has come to do. And that's what Jesus is doing in us and through us. So may we share about the hope that we have. And may that hope continue to be the anchor of our faith, why we have confidence in our faith, why we're certain in our faith. And may we continue to choose that hope every single day. And may we remember that that hope is in a person and his name is Jesus. And it's in his name that we say thanks and we pray all of this. And together we say amen and amen.